0: Times Like Now is an interview series, interviews with interesting people who are doing cool stuff, and you can listen to past episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Please like and subscribe. The prison system does very little to actually reform inmates, and my guest today, James Fox, brought yoga into the federal penitentiary and has shown that through meditation and yoga practice, people can reform from past lives of crime on this episode of Times Like Now. Hello, James Fox. Thank you so much for joining me here on the program today.
1: Nice to be with you, Trevor.
0: Um, now, you are founding director of prisonyoga.org. First question for you is the standard prison system that you walked into. What is your opinion of that federal penitentiary system as far as actually reforming prisoners or where is it at and what brought you to this to to be a part of this and to bring yoga into the federal pen system
1: yeah thank you for that uh, thank you for that question um l- let me just clarify that um the prison systems in the united states are uh federal state and county county jails and then there are also private detention centers but um, the largest of those are the county jails across the United States that hold prisoners. And then the second largest of that would be the state prisons. And um, federal prisons would actually be the smallest of those three. But we have approximately two and a quarter million people who are incarcerated in the United States. That's adults. That doesn't include youth. And the recidivism rate, uh, meaning the return to prison of somebody who's been released within three years, is about 65%. So in essence, we have a broken system. Uh, we have a broken prison system in terms of rehabilitating people and in terms of providing the services for those people who are incarcerated, to turn their lives around, and to also help to assure that they won't reoffend once that they're out, because uh, that sixty-five percent recidivism rate means that sixty-five percent of the people who are released reoffend within three years.
0: Right. So clearly something is, as, as, so as you said, something is broken there. And you, when did you begin prisonyoga.org? And, and how did you get into the prison system to, to come in and say, I want to teach yoga to these inmates? What was the reaction? And when did you start this? I guess this is my first question.
1: So it's, um, it's called uh, the Prison Yoga Project. And you're correct. Uh, The website is prisonyoga.org. I began, I became a yoga teacher in 2000 after practicing yoga for many years. And um, I first started working with at-risk youth, um, introducing yoga to young men who were either in Uh, Residential treatment facilities or in juvenile halls in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then in 2002, I was invited to bring the yoga program into San Quentin Prison with a major restorative justice organization that was establishing an innovative rehabilitation program for prisoners. And they wanted an embodiment component to the cognitive behavioral curriculum that they were offering. So when I first went in, which was almost 19 years ago now, um, San Quentin hadn't had a yoga program in the past. And so uh, it was brand new. And um, I certainly wasn't received with open arms by prison staff Um, and the incarcerated people who were in the facility were a bit uh, leery of what, what, what is this all about? Some, some guy coming in here with a yoga mat under his arm. Um, And this has to do with essentially the public face of yoga and that people who haven't been exposed to yoga think of yoga as um, a practice that's done in a nice yoga studio, primarily by young white women um, with candles and incense. And uh, of course, my approach was completely different in that I was um I was going in with the uh, idea of providing a therapeutic approach to deal with the issues that incarcerated people. We're dealing with, and a lot of this had to do with my own background and my own experience from practicing yoga and the benefits that I experienced from practicing yoga.
0: Right, right. That is, um, decrease in depression, reduce stress, um, and, and other things. Clearly, this has been going on for some time, and, and I'm glad to see this is in the prison system. It seems like that would be a very positive thing for the stresses that people experience in prison, the PTSD that people experience in prison. Um, what has been some of the results after so many years of, of this project, what has been your rates, your numbers and recidivism?
1: Well, we really can't measure recidivism. Um, recidivism would mean that we would have access to prisoners files, what are called C files. And, um, There are no prisons that we know that allow us access to their C-files. What we know anecdotally uh, from the people who take our our program, which, by the way, is voluntary. Um, Anybody who takes our program in a prison setting um, does so of their own accord. Um, We have programs in 20 states we have over 120 programs throughout the United States. And we also have programs in Mexico, in Canada, and also in parts of Europe. So, and I will say that the program is spread organically. What started out at San Quentin um, spread organically. Some of it had to do with the fact that in 2009, I wrote a book for prisoners called Yoga, A Path for Healing and Recovery. And um, when I published the book, um, I made it available free of charge to any prisoner who writes to us and asks for a copy. So we started sending the book out in 2010, and we've sent more than 35,000 copies of that book to prisoners throughout the US. And it's now been translated into Spanish, and we're in the process of translating it into French. And I think that planted a seed in a lot of correctional facilities. I had no idea how popular yoga would be in prisons, but I found out pretty quickly that there was a significant interest in in yoga. And um, so to answer your question about so what we've seen in terms of recidivism, we've only seen when we're able to stay in touch with people once they're out. But from studies that have been done on our program, um, we see the reports of a calmer temperament, um, emotional control, anger management, uh, relief of chronic physical pain. Uh, and And these are all issues that are that are related to incarcerated people's lifestyles and particularly their early in life experiences, which is directly related to trauma. So the field of trauma and the understanding of symptoms of trauma have come to the fore in the last 10 to 15 years, Um, particularly as a result of psychiatrists named Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote a book called The Body Keeps the Score, uh, which has been on the New York Times bestseller list. And a psychologist by the name of Peter Levine, um, who's written a number of books. One of my favorite is uh, Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma. And I think a lot of the focus on trauma originally came as a result of uh, military veterans coming back from active duty and having really difficult time reintegrating this society. Um, and so <clears throat> there was a recognition, you use the term PTSD, there was a recognition that so many of our uh, military veterans who returned from active duty have got PTSD. They also have traumatic brain injury. And they also have all kinds of other issues of trauma. Well, one of the things that we've experienced, and not to compare military veterans with prisoners, but the brain doesn't distinguish between I was a military veteran and I was in combat in Iran, or I was running the streets in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York or Baltimore and I was involved in gang activity, um, the brain only registers symptoms of trauma. And particularly if you compound that with people who come from backgrounds of trauma, what's called developmental trauma or childhood trauma. And so what you have in the incarcerated population is you have a concentration of people who have these issues and have these symptoms. And, you know, looking at the, uh, the vast inequities of society today, and particularly the focus on uh, social justice issues, when you look at the inequities of, of income, when you look at the racial inequities in this country, you find a concentration of those in the prison population. African-Americans are 13% of the U.S. population, but they are 40% of the incarcerated population in this country.
0: I wanted to ask, um, how did the inmates react to you coming in there with uh, a yoga mat under your arm? And uh, say, uh, real quickly, an, an average class size, how many? And, and initially, your first time in, were, were, were you ever intimidated or afraid of any of these guys?
1: <laughs> okay. So there are three questions there. Uh, well, the average the average size of a class depends yes. on the, the size of the room right now. So at San Quentin, the average size of a class is about 15 participants, and we run four different classes a week. So roughly 60 people a week go through our program. Um, when I first went in with a yoga mat under my arm, I was met with whistles and catcalls. Um, You know, who's this sweet guy coming in here and what's this all about? But within a fairly short period of time, um, word got out. Everything in prison spreads by word of mouth among the prisoners. And word got out, hey, this is no joke. Um, What I say is the, the five guys who came to my first yoga class were the five bravest prisoners at San Quentin. Um, but the word got out such as I just had the best night's sleep I've had in years as a result of going to the yoga class or, um, my lower back pain was relieved as a result of going to the yoga class for the last two weeks. Um, I feel less stressed. I feel less anxious as a result of being involved in the yoga class. And so within a fairly quick period of time, I would say six months. I had full classes. Um, <clears throat> have I been intimidated? Um, yeah, there have been a couple of times. I, there, there have been a couple of times. I mean, very, very rarely. Um, I feel that, um, by and large, I, I'm, I'm very much respected um, for the way that I carry myself and. Um, the way that I'm able to relate to the people that I teach. But of course, in prison, anything can happen. And it's not that somebody from the outside, like myself coming in, um, would, ever be, would ever be in danger of physical harm unless I disrespected somebody openly um, or did something egregious to somebody The kind of violence that happens in prison is is pretty much prisoner on prisoner or staff on prisoner, Uh, mostly prisoner on prisoner. Um, But there were a couple of times. I mean, one of the issues that you deal with in this population that is experiencing so much trauma and chaos is mental health issues. That's another issue. Our jails and prisons are the largest mental health institutions in the United States. Um, so there are a lot of people in prison who've gotten mental health issues and the times, the times that I did have issues, there were mental health, there were mental health issues involved with the person. And I was able to de-escalate the situation. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, uh, frightened to begin with, but I had to put that aside and deal with what I had to deal with. Now, my training was to blow a whistle and to call prison staff in. Um, However, I realized that if I did that, I'd have an empty yoga class going forward. So I was challenged to deal with the situation that was was being presented to me, Um, that I was threatened by somebody in in the moment. Um, And I had to deal with it, and I had to deal with de-escalation. Now, fortunately, I'm also trained in um, a violence prevention facilitation, which is some other work that I've done with prisoners. Um, and as a result of being involved in this restorative justice organization, before I started the Prison Yoga Project as a, as a standalone entity, I was, do, I was also doing work in violence prevention and also something called victim-offender education. So I had some tools from that, as well as from my own background. I grew up in Chicago. Um, I was exposed to a lot of things in an urban environment, so I was able to use some of those skills.
0: Just as you were explaining that, I question: are the are the f- faculty or the staff or the other guards are they allowed to take your classes? Because it might benefit that system greatly as well.
1: Oh. Uh, You're, you're singing my tune, Trevor. Um, No, we haven't. Well, we have been able to do that in just a couple of different places across the country. We haven't been able to do it in California, in any of the California jails or prisons. Um, And of course, that would, just as you were mentioning, it would accomplish two things. One it would accomplish for those naysayers of uh, what are we providing yoga for these cons, which is something that I've heard from prison staff, they would get an experience of what it is that we were really doing rather than again, if they have never done yoga and they don't have any experience with yoga, they think of it as a, you know, from a photograph or an ad of a yoga studio Um rather than the real life practice that we're bringing. The other thing, the second thing that it would do for prison staff, which I think you mentioned, is to deal with a lot of their stress and anxiety, which is extremely high. Um, You know, there, there have been all kinds of studies on prison guards, the level of their stress and anxiety, the level of their addiction issues, um, the level of their, you know, serious health issues, because they're having to deal with stress and, and trauma, vicarious trauma, which is trauma that they pick up from the environment that they're working in or from other people. They're dealing with it all the time. So that's, at some point in time, we may be able to do that. We're not a super large organization. We have teachers, we have yoga teachers throughout the country who essentially volunteer with us to teach in the facilities where we offer programs. And so um, our first mission is to bring the practice to incarcerated people. And hopefully at some point in time, we're gonna be able to bring it to staff. We have had the experience of doing that in Maryland. We had the experience of doing that in Massachusetts, and we had the experience of doing that in Alabama with very good results.
0: That's very exciting, and and I hope that continues. That would be uh, a beneficial thing, and, and that would be fantastic if that would move through the system to other states, counties. Speaking of which, how many instructors do you have in this program?
1: Um. Gee, I wish my program director was <laughs> was on our meeting. She'd be able to answer that pretty quickly. Um, <clears throat> I would say, you know, roughly 150 throughout the U.S. Um, I know we have another 12 to 15 in Mexico. And then in the various countries, um We have programs in Sweden. Uh, We have a program in the Netherlands, Holland. Uh, We are starting a program in the United Kingdom. And we may be starting a program in France. Uh, That depends on whether I'm going to be able to go to France in September. Um, But in the U.S., I would say we have about 150 active uh, teachers who... Well, pre-COVID, we're we're delivering in-prison classes. Now, we're still not able to go into most facilities, although I've actually started going back into San Quentin. I've been uh, going back into San Quentin since the month of June and resuming programming there. But it's the only facility in California where we've been able to resume programs. And other than, I think, Massachusetts and maybe a couple of other states, um, we haven't been able to resume programs yet in the U.S.
0: Has there been any instances, or could there be, where inmates would become instructors and lead these on their own?
1: Uh, that's that, that's another great question, Trevor. And it, it probably, I would say in terms of priorities – it's alongside being able to provide the program for staff, and that is to train long-term prisoners. So it would, it would need to be prisoners who were long-term prisoners, life-sentence prisoners or life-sentence prisoners with the possibility of right. parole, for instance, um, who were going to be in a facility for a long period of time, to train them to conduct classes where they were allowed to do that. It's not common that prisons allow prisoners to conduct their own classes. Um, It happens. There are places where it can be done. Um, And, of course, staff would need to be present when they did that, which, by the way, I think you would ask me that question. In California, it's not required for staff to be in the room with us when we're conducting the class which is of benefit because it would change the environment. It would change the ambiance of the class if a, if a correctional officer were in the class with us. Um, I think there's much more freedom of, um, of, uh, movement and as of, of expression without that being there. um, but that is definitely something that we want to do, and we've we've sketched out a plan for that. We would call it a leadership a yoga leadership a peer to peer facilitation program. Um, <clears throat> we have been able to actually conduct some yogas yoga teacher certification trainings um that adhere to the yoga Alliance requirements to become certified as a yoga teacher. Those are 200-hour trainings. Um, We have been able to do a couple of those. Mm. And um, at one facility in California, uh, a colleague of mine, not not the Prison Yoga Project, but a colleague of mine has done that. And now we're adding on to a a trauma-informed component. And these are long-term prisoners Who've become certified as yoga teachers who will at some point in time be able to teach in this facility.
0: I see. Um, James Fox, what is the website where people could learn more and read into this and maybe even volunteer uh, down the road? Where would people go?
1: You'd go to www.prisonyoga.org.
0: That seems straightforward enough. You have other programs besides yoga. You do some book exchange, right? Is is that something I saw on the site?
1: Yeah, we're doing some book exchange. We, we have a community site on our website, which is engaging um, community members who sign up as memberships. Um, we're also doing a lot of social justice education on the site because we have so as I had mentioned, we just have so much contact in the domain. It's like we're in the trenches of you know of, of of the social justice movement where we have this, you know, concentration of people who are coming from these extreme inequities. And of course, you know, anybody who does any kind of research on the criminal justice system and the prison system. Understands uh, how much need there is for reform.
0: Absolutely, James Fox. It's been fantastic speaking with you. I've learned a lot, and um, I'm going to be looking at the website. And wanted to thank my friend Gibran McDonald, one of your instructors, who helped me meet you and helped put this interview together. Uh, he's an old friend of mine and a great fella as well, and one of your uh, teachers, James Fox. Thank you so much. Uh, Yoga, uh, I think it's a great thing, and you're doing a great job with it. Prisonyoga.org.
1: Thank you, Trevor.
0: Past episodes of Times Like Now can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Please do like and subscribe. My name is Trevor Collins, and I can be reached Trevor at timeslikenow.com. A big thank you to the letter J, Cody Robertson, for original theme music. Thank you for tuning into the program today. It's a weekly program, and I do look forward to speaking with you next time.